0: Praise God, I feel like it has has been far too long since I have been here and uh, been here with you all. It was a week. My wife and I were able to get away, and we had a great service down in uh, Alabama last Sunday, but I missed a great service here in Kinderville last Sunday, so excited to see uh, Ray baptized last week, and just all the great things that are happening, and amen. The week before that, we had a a cancel. We had all that snow that came in, and uh, we had people out trying to get here and going off the road, all kinds of things, but I'm glad to be here on this Sunday morning and uh, be with everybody, and we are going to dive back into a series that I started. It feels like a month ago. It was almost a month ago now, but uh, we are going to continue in this in this uh, uh, lesson of or the series of the blessed life. And I had mentioned this when I started it, but this uh, is a series that is heavily based on a book and teachings from Pastor Robert Morris. Uh, he wrote a book called The Blessed Life. And even though I say it's heavily based on that, it is uh, more so based just on the Word of God. But uh, there is that book, and if you want to pick that up for yourself, you, could, um, you, could, you would be blessed to read it. And, uh, but here this morning, I just want to dive into the Word of God. We are going to begin in the book of Malachi today. That is the last book of the Old Testament and we're also going to pick up some scriptures in Second Chronicles chapter 31. But uh, if you can, if you have your Bibles, or uh, really it is right there on your handout, but uh, we're going to start in Malachi chapter 3. And it uh, begins here in verse number 6. It says, For I am the Lord, I change not. That is very important. God says to his people, I do not change. He's speaking here to his uh, called out people. He says, therefore, ye sons of Jacob, you are not consumed. And I think that is somewhat humorous that God says, I don't change. And that's why I haven't killed you yet. Personally, that's, you know, that's, you know, I'm thinking he's like, hey, I'm nice, and I'm still nice and I have mercy and grace. And so, uh, even though you're foolish and doing all these things, I don't change. And that's why you have not perished. But he continues on. It is not just that he has not wiped them out yet. He says, even from the days of your fathers, you are gone away from mine ordinances. Now that is not a typical word that we use today. Uh, we're going to come back to that word ordinance. Uh, and it's what does that mean? But let's continue reading. It says, uh, You have gone away from my ordinances. You have not kept them. Return unto me, and I will return unto you, saith the Lord of hosts. But ye said, Wherein shall we return? Now, before we read verse 8, let me just remind you that this is God talking. That This is God, the one who does not change. This is the God who, he says... I change not. He's the one who was talking. And he said, You go away from my ordinances. As I said, that, that word ordinance is not something that we typically use today, but it means a principle of very ordinary behavior. I'll say that again. Ordinance, you may want to write that down on your notes if you have a pen. Ordinance means a principle of very ordinary behavior. So God says, you have gone away from my principles of ordinary behavior for God's children. You've left them. The ordinary way that people ought to act, the things that they ought to do, the behaviors that they ought to have, the ordinary things, you've left them. You have turned aside from them. You have Decided, I don't need to do that any longer. He says, you have gone away from the ordinary behavior of God's people. And now, you may ask, well, in what way have we gone away? So I want you to notice this because in the next verse, in the next verse, it's God speaking. He says, verse 8, Will a man rob God? Yet, ye have robbed me. But ye say, well, wherein have we robbed thee? Now, once again, this is God that's speaking here. And God says, it's in tithes and offerings. You are cursed with a curse, for ye have robbed me, even this whole nation. Bring ye all the tithes into the storehouse. Today, the storehouse would be the church. That there may be meat in mine house. And prove, or you could say, test me now, herewith, saith the Lord of hosts. Notice this is the Lord of hosts that's talking, the one who does not change. He says, test me. This is God speaking. He, he, he tells his people, he says, test me and see whether or not if I will open up to you the windows of heaven and pour you out a blessing that there shall not be room enough to receive it. And I will rebuke the devourer for your sakes. He says this is for your sakes that I'm doing this. And the devourer, he he shall not destroy the fruits of your ground, neither shall your vine cast her fruit before the time in the field, saith the Lord of hosts. All nations shall call you blessed, for you shall be blessed. A delightsome land, saith the Lord of hosts. So this is God speaking here. It's the God who cannot change. And you have to remember, he says, you've gone away from my ordinances. You've gone away from the ordinary behavior, the ordinary principles of behavior of God's people. And the first thing that he starts with, from what they have gone away from, is tithing. He says that tithing is an ordinary principle of behavior for God's children, to thank Him for the harvest that He has provided. To thank Him for the increase that He has given to them. And I don't take every Sunday out of out of the year to, to talk on money, to talk on uh, tithing and offerings. But I, I believe that it's not something that we ought to shy away from. Because God Himself had a lot to say about what we do with our finances, what we do with our money. Because... It's, and this is what we talked about in week one of this series. It says a lot about what we hold dear. The things that matter to us. Our money is like that string that's attached to our heart. There's something about what we spend our money on that talks about our priorities. And so God here is speaking about tithing and he says that tithing is this ordinary behavior that his people ought to do. And you know, some would say, that Christians cannot be under a curse because Christ bore the curse of sin on the cross and he did but that's in regards to our salvation but if you say then that you can live any way that you want and it doesn't affect you well that's just crazy to think because if we steal there's a consequence to stealing a curse is simply a consequence if you steal, there's a consequence. If you steal from God, you know, what's, what's going to be the result? Well, so, so many people, they would say, well, the Lord, He owns it all. And yes, He does own it all, but He also gives us stewardship over the things, the blessings that He gives to us. Yet He reserves 10% of that for Himself. And that is why He says, you have stolen from me. Because he says, I have set aside the tithe for the house of God. So if you keep it, then you're stealing. This is not my words. This is the words that God is telling to his people. So this word, it's also used in, in Joshua chapter 6, verse 7. When they kept the tithe that they were supposed to bring, he says, Israel has stolen. From me. Israel is stolen. So again, this is not my words, this is not the words of just some preacher, but these this is God speaking here, saying, You have stolen from me when you do not tithe, when you do not give back to me that you know that ten percent. And we'll get into the ten percent, we'll get into some tithing. Today's lesson lesson is titled, What Test, but we're gonna be talking about tithing because tithing is a test. Tithing is this ordinary behavior that God expects of his people, and it is a test that he has, one, for us to test him, but also it's his test for us. Tithing, it's a test. Now, I understand that there are some today, some Christians that believe this is an Old Testament principle that was done away with with the law, that it's not something that's necessarily uh, needed to be practiced here today and uh, within the New Testament. But we're going to get into uh, that. Well, you know, where does this fall? Is this something that was done away with with the law? And, you know, I do think that it's, it's one, you know, I kind of wish that God could, could have like taken that Malachi verse that's like six pages away from the New Testament, just like moved it just a little bit right. And, uh, and it's right there in the New Testament then, but, uh, he didn't. He, he chose to put it in the Old Testament, and there's, uh, it may be only six pages away, but it's like 400, 500 years, something like that, uh, difference, uh, in, in the Old Testament, New Testament. But, but, yeah, tithing, it's, it's a test. It is a test. And I believe that God, He is testing our hearts. You know, even, even when a person argues about this and, you know, says, well, I don't need to do this. This isn't something I have to do. It's, it's a test. Do, do you want to give to God? It, you know he gave his life for us It is something you know silly to argue about. He gave his life for us and yet we want to say, well I, you know I, I don't have to give 10 percent. I don't have to give 10 you know, percent of my my earnings back to God it's, it, but it's a test. it's a test of our heart. and there's there's some reasons why I believe that God chose a tithe, which that word tithe. Is It comes from this Hebrew word, uh, mahaser, uh, which means the 10th part or 10%. So the very word tithe means a 10th part or 10%. And first of all, I think the reason, I believe, that the reason that God chose not just a number to give. He didn't say, uh, I want you to give uh, $10 a, a week or I want you to give you know, $1,000 a year. He didn't give some certain amount uh, but rather, he gave a percentage. It's because it, does, it doesn't matter if you make thirty thousand dollars or if you make three hundred thousand dollars a year. It's a penny on every dime. It's a dollar on every hundred that you make. It's what are you What are you doing? A dollar on every ten. If I could do my math right. You think as an accountant that I would be able to to math up here? <laughs> but. It's it's the same for everybody. It doesn't matter what you make. It's it's the same amount for every person who gives. That uh, not not in quantity, but in the percentage of of what you have, it's the same. But I think it goes beyond just the fact that it's the same. There's I think there's something that's also attached to ten. That number ten. Um, one, it, it makes it very simple for us. To know how to give ten uh, percent is a very easy number to get to, but beyond that, ten does have significance. There's, uh, if you read through scripture, you'll, you'll notice that there are certain numbers that tend to pop up over and over. And uh, I don't, you know, I think we we need to be careful in our numerology and trying to place meaning on absolutely everything. But there is, you know, some patterns that we begin to see, and and there's something significant about the number ten. And how ten oftentimes was connected to tests that? I'll ask you know how many how many plagues were there in Egypt? There were ten plagues. I said, "What does that mean with the test?" Well, each one of those plagues, God was testing Pharaoh's heart. So you could say that you know I could ask that question, and you know how many times was Pharaoh tested? Not just Pharaoh, but how many times was even Moses tested, and in coming back to Pharaoh and presenting this uh, cause to this leader? And so there was a test each one of these times, ten times. Okay, how many commandments were there? Ten. Now there were. I know there's more than that, but you have the Ten Commandments that are the main ten, the first ones that were given by God. And you know these are ten tests, tests of whether or not the people of God will trust. God, 10 times. How many times did God test Israel in the wilderness? You may not know the answer to that, but there is a pattern. Yeah, 10. It was 10 times. How many times was Jacob's wage changed when he was working to be able to marry his wife? 10 times. We've got, the, got this rolling. How many times was Daniel tested? 10 times. How many virgins were tested in Matthew chapter 25? 10. How many days of testing are mentioned in the book of Revelation? 10. How many disciples were there? There we go. That was just a test for you. There were 12. Okay, so tithing is a test. Tithing is a test. Here's here's something that you may not know. It's, It's a This two way test that it is not just God testing us, but he said, as we already read, he says, you can test me. I'm asking you to tithe and I'm putting this on you and telling you, test me to see whether or not I will live up to my end of the bargain. Prove me. That's the word that Malachi used. Prove me. In Malachi, this is often used in the context of, of testing, proving. Is is using, uh, uh, especially in metal work, uh, they would say, you know, they would prove the armor, they would prove some type of metal to see whether or not it was it was worthy, whether or not it had uh, gone through all of the the process that it needed to in, in order to withstand uh, the uh, the weight or the the impact that it was going to. Uh, to have to withstand it's they would prove that armor and 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 proving is this this testing ground and so god is saying here he's saying prove me or or test me to see whether or not i'm pure test me I, i want you i want you to to see because on my end i want to open up the windows of heaven and to bless you i desire to bless my people I want to rebuke the devourer for you. But it depends on if you are going to thank me and worship me and walk in faith and whether or not you're going to believe that 90% with God's blessing is greater and it can go further than 100% without God's blessing. And so you open up an area of faith when you begin to tithe, when you begin to test God. Again, I I hear, you know, people maybe thinking or saying, you know, this is under the Old Testament, that's under the law. Tithing is something that is, you know, that is, you know, previous stuff that was done. Well, this was actually something that happened before the law even was put into place, hundreds of years before the law. Because the first time that we see this principle of tithing uh, come to us in Scripture is not with Moses, it's not with uh, not with Joshua or somebody you know after after the law had been given, but rather it goes all the way back to Abraham. You go all the way back to Abraham and how Abraham. Uh, so the uh, hundreds of years before the law was given, he went to Melchizedek, who was a priest. He was the the king of Salem. He went to. This man, this man of God, this holy man of God, and it says that he gave his tithe 10% of all that he had. Abraham was a wealthy man. God had blessed him abundantly. And he gave 10% of what he had to the priest, Melchizedek. This is long before the law. Now, so when we look at... Uh, many things within how Jesus fulfilled the law. This, this is not part of the law. This is not something that was, uh, established under the law, but this was established far before the law. And this is something that, you know, even today, even today, we still have this principle in place. So, uh, perhaps, I guess, uh, if you wanted to get that scripture there in Mel- Melchizedek, About Melchizedek is in Genesis chapter 14. Let's just read that. Beginning in verse 18. It says, Melchizedek, the king of Salem, he brought forth bread and wine, and he was the priest of the Most High God. And he blessed him, and he said, Blessed be Abram of the Most High God, possessor of heaven and earth. And blessed be the Most High God, which hath delivered thine enemies into thine hand.' And then, He, that being Abram or Abraham, he gave him, he gave to Melchizedek, tithes of all. This is 500 years before the law had been given. Galatians says that Abraham is our spiritual father. Melchizedek, Hebrews says, is a type of Christ. So our spiritual father, Abraham, tithed. He gave 10%, 500 years before the law was put in place. Why? Because this is a principle that God has had for his people from the beginning. And this isn't the only occurrence of tithing before the law. And I can show you an example that's, it's 2,500 years before the law. Maybe, maybe we're going to get to that next week uh, as we as we dive into that. But but if, if you go to Genesis chapter 28, verse 22, this is talking about Jacob. It says, of Jacob, it says, This stone which I have set for a pillar, it shall be God's house. This is this implication that you know, the tithe that goes to God's house. And of all that thou shalt give me, I will surely give the tenth unto thee. So again, before the law, about 400 years prior to the law being given. Leviticus. Chapter 27, verse 30. This is under the law, but it says here that all the tithe of the land, whether of the seed of the land or the fruit of the tree, it is the Lord's. It's holy unto the Lord. In other words, this belongs to God. It's holy unto the Lord. The word holy means set apart, that God has set apart for himself that percentage of what you have and that's that that is the only reason that he could say in malachi that you are stealing from me when you do not tithe when you do not give your tithe your 10 percent. he says you are stealing from me why because this is holy this has already been set apart for me i've set this apart from my house and if you keep it then you are stealing from me Again, in in Deuteronomy chapter 26, it speaks of the holiness of the tithe and how this belongs to God. It says here, it shall be when thou art come in unto the land which the Lord thy God giveth thee for an inheritance. And you possess it and dwell therein that thou shalt take of the first. The first. we're, We're diving into that next week, hopefully, about giving of a first, but the first of all of the fruit of the earth, that which thou shalt bring of thy land that the Lord thy God giveth thee and shall put it in a basket and shall go unto the place which the Lord thy God shall choose to place his name there. The place where he will establish his name. And in verse 13, it says, then thou shalt say before the Lord thy God, I have Brought away the hallowed things. In the New King James Version, another version, uh, other versions, it, it says there that thou has brought away the holy tithe. The hallowed things, the holy tithe. It's, it's not the Hebrew word for tithe, but, but rather it's the Hebrew word for holy. And it's pointing directly back to the holy thing that was identified in verse 2, which was the tithe. So in verse 2 of this, this chapter, it was the tithe that he was talking about. And so in pointing back to that, talking about the holy thing, he's talking about the holy tithe, the first 10th part. And so he says, I brought away the hallowed things, the holy tithe, out of my house, and also I have given them unto the Levite and unto the stranger, to the fatherless, to the widow, according to all thy commandments which thou hast commanded me. I have not transgressed my commandments, neither have I forgotten them. I have not eaten thereof in my morning. It says, I, I didn't use some of the tithe, you know, when I had a difficult time. Neither have I taken away aught thereof for any unclean use, nor given aught thereof for the dead, but I've hearkened to the voice of the Lord my God, and I have done according to all that thou hast commanded me. Look down from thy holy habitation from heaven and bless thy people Israel and the land which thou hast given us, as thou swearest unto our fathers a land that floweth with milk and honey. So he's saying, I have I have removed the holy tenth part, and I brought it to the house of God. And so now that we have done that, now that the people of Israel have done that, I can pray this prayer. This is, uh, this is Moses praying this prayer over his people, saying, now that we have given ten percent back to you, God, now that we have brought that to the house of the Lord, I'm going to pray a prayer, and I know that you'll answer. And that prayer is, look down from heaven and bless your servants. Now, we're looking here at the Old Testament, these things that came before the law, even these scriptures that are under the law that's talking about how the tithe is the 10%, 10%. But if I can ask you a question today, what if Jesus himself were to ask you or to tell you that you ought to tithe. If Jesus himself would come and say, you know, this is something that you ought to do. I I think, you know, the sad part is, there may be some who even then still have to think about it. That the one who bled and died on the cross for us, the one who is the savior of the world, God himself, that's, and we may still have to think about it, but we shouldn't have to think about that if Jesus himself were to come and he were to say that this is something that I expect of you, that you would tithe. Now, if he were to come into this room today and ask you, that would, one, be shocking, and it would probably be something that would get a quick response from majority of us in here to... uh Find a way for ourselves to tithe. Now, he may not walk into this room physically today and to ask you that, but there are some scriptures that, as you open up your Bible, perhaps they are written in red, and those red scriptures mean that Jesus is speaking. And so let's go to one of those red-letter scriptures. Matthew chapter 23, verse 23. It says here, Woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites! For you pay tithe of mint and anise and cumin. You have omitted the weightier matters of the law judgment, mercy, and faith. These ought you to have done, but don't leave the other undone. Okay, so as we read this, it's comes across in a negative context. He's speaking to the scribes and the Pharisees. He's calling them hypocrites. And he's talking about tithing as he's doing this. But notice what Jesus is saying here is is not belittling the tithe, or it's not saying that they should not tithe. In fact, he reinforces the fact that they ought to tithe says, you guys, you give tithes, not only of your first fruits, but you give tithes of every spice that you get, uh, every little tiny thing uh, that, that you have. And yet, even though you're tithing, even though you're giving these little things, you've neglected justice, you've neglected mercy, you've neglected faith. And Jesus says, you ought to have done all of that. Your tithing is great. Don't stop that. Don't Don't leave that behind and go pursue these other things, but keep that in place. And let's add mercy and grace and goodness and faith. Let's, let's do that as well. So what Jesus is saying here is saying, you ought to tithe, but don't leave the other things undone. He is not speaking against the tithe. Rather, he's reinforcing and he's speaking to us today saying, or reinforcing the fact that everything that was established before is still in place now for his people. Continue to tithe. Now, we may look at this and say, well, this is a burden. This is something that's hard for me to do. I I only have so much to live on. But the reality is that when we live with what we try to hold back, with the things that we are robbing God of, we don't have access to the windows of heaven where he wants to pour out his blessings upon us. That's what God desires to do. That is the blessing of the tithe. That's the test in the tithe that God is saying. I know that it may seem counterproductive for you to give back 10%. That's a fair amount of money. 10%. To be living on 90% when you're used to just barely getting by, perhaps, with 100 but I promise you that it's not just myself, although I could tell the testimony of myself that it's uh to, to live in the blessings of God with 90% is greater. But there are testimonies all around this room of people who could say that by living on the 90%, they have gone so much further than when they before tried to live on 100% and not giving back to God. So in Hebrews chapter 7, verse 8, let's. Uh, here it's uh, Hebrews. It's, it's talking about Melchizedek and how mortal men they receive tithes on earth. But it says in verse uh, eight, it says, "Here men that die they receive tithes, but there he receiveth them, of whom it is witness that he liveth." Here you put your tithe into an offering plate, or you maybe you transfer money online from your bank account to the church's bank account. However you give, more mortal men. Are taking that in, we're managing it. But listen, in heaven, he receives it. He is the one who bore witness of it. He is the one who is living. So Jesus Christ, he receives my tithe. And that makes, that itself makes me want to tithe. He says, mortal men receive the tithe, but there, where? There, in heaven, he receives receiveth them, he is the one who is also receiving the tithe. He doesn't need the money. He doesn't need the funds. But through you trusting him, through you putting your faith in him, it unlocks the blessings that he could pour out from heaven. Okay, so we've talked about how this is a test, how this is something that is not just under the law, but also tithing. It is a blessing. Tithing, it's a blessing. In Second uh, Chronicles chapter thirty-one, Second Chronicles chapter thirty-one, uh, Hezekiah here is reading the scriptures. He was a, a king who had taken over uh, a a nation that had turned its back on God. He's trying to get things back on on the path, and so he's he's reading this the scriptures that hadn't been opened in, in quite some time finds the Word of God, begins to read them, and he sees these verses about tithing. And here they are as the nation of, of Israel, and, and they're in this economic recession. And he realizes, here we are, we are under a curse. That the whole nation is under a curse because we're not tithing, because we're stealing from God. So here is where we're going to pick up that story with that context. It's Second uh, Chronicles chapter 31, beginning in verse 4. It says, moreover, he commanded the people that dwelt in Jerusalem to give the portion of the priests and the Levites that they might be encouraged in the law of the Lord. So if you remember Malachi, he said, bring the tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. And again, they were talking about natural food. But think about it today you know, in, in the spiritual context. And if I could just ask you, you know, when you come to church do you enjoy spiritual food that you get? Okay. Somebody is, is paying for it. Now, now I know that and I'm being blunt and I, you know, really I'm trying to be blunt, but it's not offensive in any way. But that's that's the reality. That somebody is paying for this building that we are in today. Somebody is paying for the utilities, somebody's paying for the salaries, somebody is you know, is paying not just you know for me to devote myself to the work of this church, but you know, for all of the resources that we have, and for the things that we're doing, you know, somebody is paying for that. And even if we didn't have a building, even if we didn't have utilities, even if we didn't have, you know, all of this, there's still there's money that is connected to the to the mission, and that's. Beyond what we have here, we have from the tithe, we, we're able to give, and, and beyond tithe, but we're rather offerings, and we're not really going into that today, but the offerings that are able to go and to move the mission, move the cause, uh, we give to missionaries around this world, we support them so that they can go and preach this gospel, we support home missions churches that are going and they're starting uh Churches in in places here in North America that need a church. So here we are. We're we're supporting local um, local things in our community, local causes that are trying to reach people who are in need. In fact, uh, we'll probably announce it today. But we have uh, a thing out here to uh, a barrel that's out by our welcome center that you can give. Uh, canned goods, too. You know, there's different ways that we support others. But one thing that is always asked of by God is, he says, bring your tithe to the storehouse. Bring your tithe to the storehouse. And here, he's saying, bring it because the priests and the Levites, this is how they are going to survive. This is how they are going to um, be taken care of. Verse 5, he continues on. As soon as the commandment came abroad, the children of Israel brought in abundance the first fruits of corn, wine, and oil, and honey, and all the increase of the field and the tithe of all things brought they in abundantly. And concerning the children of Israel and Judah that dwelt in the cities of Judah, they also brought in the tithe of oxen and sheep and the tithe of holy things which are consecrated to the Lord their God. They laid them by heaps. In the third month, they began to lay the foundation of the heaps. They finished them, and in the seventh month, and when Hezekiah and the princes came and they saw the heaps, they blessed the Lord and his people Israel. And Hezekiah questioned with the priests and the Levites concerning the heaps. And Azariah, the chief priest of the house of Zadok, answered him. He said, since the, Lord, or, since the people began to bring the offerings into the house of the Lord, again, the tithe is going to the house of God. He says, since they began doing that, we have had enough to eat. We have left plenty for the Lord has blessed his people. And that which is left is the great store. So here's what happens. The king sends out this commandment. He says, we're supposed to be tithing. They're in an economic recession. They're, in a, they're going through all this hardship. Their harvests have not been coming in. They've had nothing to give. And yet when they start to give of their nothing or their little God begins to bless them, and they have heaps and heaps and heaps that keep on coming in. Why because the the blessings of God began to be poured out when his people began to give what was owed back to God the ten percent tithe now, if I could sum this up and we've got to bring this to a close here today, but this Principle of tithing and giving back to God. It's it's this giving to what is God's bride, the church today. That is the bride of Christ. If I actually, could I just have like three people? One from Josh, could you stand up real quick? Can I have Brandon Collins? Could you stand up real quick? You're fine. You're not really going to have to do anything. Reuben, could you stand up just real quick? Okay, so we got these three men. I want you to imagine that, you know, I'm I'm leaving for an overseas trip. And uh, I'm going to be gone from home for several months. And, you know, I, I need somebody to take care of my family. So I have these three men that, you know, I trust you. I trust you guys. and uh, I'm going to... In fact, I, not only do I just trust you to take care of them, but I trust you financially. I believe that, that you would uh, do well. And so I set it up to where I'm going to send funds into your bank, bank account each month. I'm going to give each of you, uh, each month I'm going to, I'm going to send $10,000 to the three of you. And that's more than enough to care for my, my wife's son. Praise God. Praise God. I don't know where he's getting this money from, but praise God. So I'm going to give each of you $10,000. And uh, in fact... Even though I'm doing this and I'm trusting you to care for them, all that you really need to do is to give 1,000 dollars of that to them. Now my wife is all sad. she doesn't get the 10,000. Just give a thousand of that to them. Okay, you can keep the rest. I trust you with it. I trust that you are going to care for my, my spouse, trust that you're going to care for my family. And so a few months go by and you know, I begin talking to my wife and I say, oh, by the way, you know, are you being properly taken care of? Are you receiving the funds that I'm sending your wages? I say, oh, you know what? Josh over here, you know, he's been sending me $1,000 every month. It comes on the first of the month every single time. It's amazing. Now, Brandon over here, I don't know why. He's sending me $2,000 a month. And, you know, and I ask $2,000, why 2000 I, I really, I only asked him to give you a thousand. I don't know why, but that's what he's been sending me. Well, well, how about, how about Reuben over here? Uh, you know, we need to talk about him. The first, first month he sent me $700. And then, you know, next month he sent me $400. This month he hasn't sent me anything at all. And, you know, I, I don't know why. And, you know, really, you know, that's, that's interesting that he would, he would do that. I want, I want you to just think about this. Really think about this. I'm giving all of them the same amount of money. I'm giving all of them. They can, they can keep 90% of it. I've only asked them to give 10% to my wife. That's my wife. And actually, can we all stand now? We can all join them? Let me just remind you: this is the bride of Christ. We're giving to the bride of Christ. In tithing, it's this test. And he's, he's asking us, would you just give 10%? Not only just for you. I, I am. I'm, I'm testing you. God's saying, I'm, I'm testing you, whether or not you'll do this. But also, you can test me. That you you are going to be blessed abundantly. You're going to be blessed abundantly. I, I'm asking you, take care of my church. Take care of my bride. I think it's a test. It's important that, that we pass the test. It's important that we, we we do not rob God of what is owed to Him. And I don't, I don't speak any of this out of ill will, I don't don't speak any of this out of uh, of, trying to shame anybody or guilt somebody into giving. I, I speak this only from the principle that comes to us from scripture and from the testimony of myself and so many others in here that would say that by giving back to God, you will be walking in the blessings that he has for you. You will be walking in the blessings. I know it's not an easy turn to take. I know it's not something that is easy to to begin to do if it's the first time that you're doing it. But I do want to challenge you. I want to test you. Would you trust God? Would you test Him? I know we have our Sunday school classes that are making their way back in, but uh, as we just close this out here this morning, as we all are standing, if you could just lift up your hands, and I just want every eye closed, every hand raised, and just begin to ask God. Just call out to him. Just, just say, Lord, I, I thank you. God, I thank you for the blessings that you have given me. God, I, I don't want to walk in condemnation. God, I'm not walking God and or I'm not going to do this, Lord, because of guilt. But rather, God, if, if you are speaking to my heart today, God, help me to have the faith to respond. God, help me to, to have that faith to say, God, I'm going to give back to you that portion that is owed to you. God, the holy tithe, the things, God, that belong to you. God, I want to give, Lord, out of the abundance of my heart. God, I want to give back to you, Lord. And if you are giving today, why don't you just begin to just pray for the blessing? That's what that's what they did as, as Moses began to talk to them uh, and, and say, God, we've given you the tithe. God, we've given you back your portion. Then he began to pray for the blessing. Why don't you right now, as we go into this song and begin to transition in our service today, why don't you just begin to pray for the blessings of God? It's okay. Just pray for it. God, I I ask God, would you bless us? God, would you bless me? God, would you bless this church right now? God, would you bless those who give faithfully to you? Lord, there's times, God, where we operate and it it seems as though the blessings aren't there. But, Lord, I ask right now, boldly, Lord, would you just pour out the windows of heaven, God, blessings upon us? God, would you let us walk in your favor? God, not just financial blessings, but, God, favor in the workplace. God, favor in our families. God, favor, God, that we can walk in it today, Lord, because we, we are... Are faithful to you, Lord. God, I, I thank you. Lord, I pray and, God, and I rebuke the devourer today. God, the devourer that would come, Lord, and, and come against us and our families and our and our peace and our God the thing, our, our health. Lord, things that, that we deal with today, Lord, as we give faithfully to you, God, you said that you would stand up against the devourer. So Lord, I speak right now. Lord, against everything that would come against your, your people. Baby. Lord, Jesus, we worship you. We thank Lord, you. Lord, I give you my Hallelujah, Jesus. heart. I give you my soul. Hallelujah, Jesus. For amen, you, amen. Why don't you just worship him for a little bit? Every breath that yes, I God. Take, every, every moment, moment I will. remote